Welcome to The Perfect Storm, a bi-weekly podcast for business executives and cybersecurity professionals. Industry veterans Michael Markulek and Matthew Webster chat with guests about the latest cyber news, threats, and trends, and how all of it impacts their businesses. Harbor Technology Group is a cybersecurity consulting firm that offers advisory services to the SMB. Harbor believes by taking a proactive rather than reactive approach to cybersecurity, business leaders can develop a cybersecurity program that will address external requirements, exceed client expectations, and ultimately take their organization to the next level. Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. Welcome back to another episode of Harbor's podcast, The Perfect Storm. Today, I have with me John Britton. Uh, John is, John, what is your title? I am the Technical Director for Cybersecurity. Yeah, Technical Director for Cybersecurity at Corvid Cyber Defense. They're a partner of of Harbor. Um, John, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and the company? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for having me again. Um, so COVID Cyber Defense are a uh, cybersecurity as a service provider. Uh, we predominantly uh, focus on the small medium businesses to provide them a full uh, core framework of cybersecurity over network endpoint email training and awareness and incorporating uh, SOC and SIM all built in-house within the US uh, to enable obviously organizations to kind of hit that fast forward button to get the core needs for cybersecurity. Um, and then obviously, uh, you know, our prime focus being a DOD contractor is to also bring some compliance to the table. Uh, and in this particular model, it will be CMMC or NIST 800-171. Right. And when you say you're a DOD defense or a defense contractor, um, that's your, your parent company. That's the defense That company. is correct. Right. That is correct, yes. Well, and, and John just referenced it a little bit. John is the first second time guest on uh, the Perfect Storm. So uh, congratulations, you're the first second. I look forward to my <laughs> certificate of achievement. Yeah, 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 it's printing right now. Yeah, you got Perfect. it. Perfect. Right, so I asked John to, to join again because um, John and I uh, bounce CMMC conversations off each other. So I thought it would be a, a perfect opportunity to kind of give an update uh, to our listeners on, on what's happening with CMMC. Um, I, you know, it is defense focused, uh, CMMC as, as a, uh, a security framework, but I, 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 as all things go, I could see where eventually CMMC and how it's structured uh, relates to the commercial industry and not just defense, uh, the defense sector. So we'll talk about that later and debate that later. But in, in the meantime, John, can you give us a little bit of an update of where we stand with CMMC? Yeah, absolutely. So um, for about the last year, we've been working on the uh, version 1.3 of CMMC, which identified five levels, uh, predominantly really only focusing on the first three, um, predominantly really only focusing on the first level and the third level. Um, One would identify that you are in the defense supply chain and level three would identify that you are and you also house uh, controlled and classified information. Uh, for a level three control, uh, that would identify you to have to apply 130 controls, uh, show progressional documentation and processes in play. Um, and then as of, I think, two and a half weeks ago, maybe a little bit longer, version 2.0 came out, 
which in some aspect progressively took a step back um, to make it a little bit easier for uh, the organization seeking certification within the defi uh, defense supply chain, an easy progressional step into CMMC, uh, working predominantly more focused on NIST 800-171 versus the CMMC, which obviously is built on NIST 800-171, but had additional wording and or additional controls that would bring in that more encompassing cybersecurity framework holistically uh, versus specifically from NIST 800-171. Right, right. So, and maybe I should should just uh, reframe this a little bit. Thanks for that that summary. That's great. Um, but CMMC is the maturity model, it's cybersecurity maturity model that the DoD has implemented after years of research, et cetera, hand wringing, um, to, uh, to fully secure the supply chain. Um, needless to say, that the, the DoD and the defense sector in the U.S. Uh, very concerned about uh, their contractors being secure. Um, they've implemented these these uh, requirements uh, to make sure that supply chains uh, remain secure, and it's all about that that controlled unclassified information, uh, CUI as it's called. What used to be what uh, FOUO, right? For official yeah, use only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the CMMC is is the framework that the DoD has decided to put forward to. Um, to secure the supply chain. And as John just described, they've moved from 1.3 to 2.0 because as you, you and I were talking about right before we started to try to simplify the exercise, they may have been too aggressive. Tell me what you were thinking about how, how everything got started there. So- like, Yeah, like, sorry, I, that's kind of a, 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 sorry to interrupt too, but uh, that was a little bit of an open question. So 1.3, very good framework. Uh, but maybe too much uh, to start and they needed to, to scale it back a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So from you and I, from advisory perspectives, 2.0 is the, uh, sorry, 1.3 is the perfect compliance framework that takes into account a lot of IT practices. It takes into a lot of, account of cybersecurity practices and has the inkling of maturity around the organization to which, you know, as advisors, we suggest that this is the way that most organizations should go to. The problem is most organizations were maybe doing some IT, maybe had a little bit of cybersecurity, but they did not have that high level of maturity to which CMMC's first go at it was really, you're either doing it or you're not. And, you know, it's not very often that, you know, for Harbor that you sign a contract that's going to be a one month contract that you advise and build a maturity framework over a month. It just does not exist. And right. You know, the pain point is for us, you know, we've got a lot of things built into our whole platform that allows a large proportion of the CMMC to be achieved. However, it still takes 30 to 90 days to get to that level. And then that still leaves the other half of CMMC that was just not being done. And, you know, we were finding things like updating the switches from dumb switches to actually manage switches. Is something that people haven't done for many years so that ultimately right. led them to the point of when well, i need additional financial investments on top of the financial investments i'm now having to make on top of the predictive financial investments for the audits and stuff so it became this perfect storm to, to uh, steal your uh, quotes <laughs> that actually started to impact the defense supply chain and you know the whole goal of CMMC was to do the complete opposite. So, and what I mean by that is if you are a small ball bearing shop and you've just done manufacturing for the last 15, 20 years and 60% of your business came from the DOD now because you're providing these ball bearings for whatever it goes into, 
And then all of a sudden you've been asked to spend 70% of your profitability to be out to make the CMMC. A lot of organizations were going, well, I'm not going to do this. Right. And they were opting out of that, which means that the defense supply chain would go from half a million uh, companies, I think 300,000, probably down to 100,000, which meant now the defense supply chain was buying things that would be tremendously more expensive because the, you know, the minute amount of companies that are providing the basic functions of ball bearings, bolts, nuts, metal, you know, they don't need to do this. So they can move into the commercial side, but then that meant nothing would be able to be provided for the medium to larger organizations who are putting everything together. So it was a very complex zero to 130, if you will, yeah. um, that needed to be achieved overnight. And there was no real guidance around what that did. So, you know, that was the pain point. As advisors, I really loved it. I think it's a great framework that eventually I believe we'll get back to. But, you know, the evolution into 2.0 actually really does help organizations get that time that they need to go from, you know, in this particular case, from, you know, zero to 100 and then add that additional features a little bit later uh, with the new three levels that they've provided. Right, right. And, and, and it's important to note that you're, you're using these numbers 100, 130. Those are how many controls there are in the framework, right? Um, That's right. As just the comparative. Uh, so zero to 100 inside of that, um, inside of those 100 controls, let's say, um, it, the idea is it should be a little bit more manageable for organizations to meet those controls, right? Or meet those requirements. Um, and I don't mean it's easy because security isn't easy, but uh, it's it's more manageable and something they can bite off. Um, yeah. The, so if we actually go into the 2.0, the three new levels are level one that will identify that you need to provide 17 basic practices. And I put emphasis on basic. They're not necessarily basic if you are not an IT person, uh, but the functional foundations of them should exist in most organizations to allow, you know, the capabilities of working. I do know that some organizations still would not achieve them, but it's something that they should strive themselves to get towards. And you know what? Let me let me let me jump in just real quick. If you're an organization that uses technology, which is basically everyone, and you can't meet those 17 controls, forget CMMC. You have a bigger problem. <laughs> you're, you're you're not doing the basic cyber hygiene, as we say, uh, just to protect your organization. So anyhow, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. So level two. Level two. Uh, <laughs> now focusing back on NIST 800171 with 110 controls. Um, this is actually a little bit more amicable now. Originally, 1.3 had five control levels. But if anybody asked me, it's like, well, what does level two and level four mean? And there were stepping stones that really didn't give you any advantage. The new model with the one, two, and three actually opens up level two to be that progressional step point that actually will have companies have that ease to only get to level two. And what this means is you don't have to have all 110 controls actually met and in place but you have to have the ones that need to be prioritized. Now, I put need to be prioritized. We haven't been actually informed which ones out of the 110 controls are the priority. So we are still up in, up in the air. However, you know, I, fundamentally there are, if, and I'm not going to go into it now, but there are some that scream out, these really should be in place right, versus right. some of the other ones that are a little bit more gold standard, you know, putting banners on computers, maybe one of them, uh, you know, some of the functional things that are fairly easy to make, 
are probably not going to be required, but then there can be a plan of action, a milestone line item to support that. So you're showing that there's maturity, you're showing that there's a game plan to get to that highest level, but now you're not being expected to, you know, by Wednesday of next week, meet all 110 controls, which as we know, aren't very easy to get to in some aspects, you know, it might just be, you're not exposed to the technology, you don't have the advisory, you don't have the budget for it right now. Um, right. So this level two progressional actually helps organizations progressionally get to that point because um, there are organizations that do have some controlled um, unclassified information exposed to them, but the classification of that CUI isn't as high prioritization. Is that like where level three will be required to that, for example, here's a schematic of how a framework needs to look like, here's the technical drawing versus here's how the missile needs to be uh, you know, designed. So right. the two aspects of it opens up ease for the lower, smaller shops that are not providing, I'm not putting any uh, underestimate or uh, under emphasis of who these companies are. They are very critical, but they're not things that are going to change the world in terms of like a missile wood versus a, fr a framework that's going to house a radio system, something like that. Uh, and then level three, um, level three will be only 110 controls versus the 130 that we saw from the previous CMMC 1.3. Uh, but all of these need to be met. And again, just put the emphasis on the CUI requirements. Uh, my parent company, Design and Build Missiles, they are going to be required to be level three versus somebody who's lower down and is creating a framework to house a radio system, a you know, fiber optic framework, you know, they're creating something that's a functional shelf. And again, I'm not trying to undermine that company if there is one listening, but they're not going to be something that's going to really impact life potentially um, so they'll be the focus on the level two which is obviously an easier stepping stone still not quite easy but still a good practice to get to but it's not required to have all 110 controls in play by next year right right so speaking of timing what what are they saying from the <laughs> they're not right <laughs> they're they not. really haven't right no they haven't and they've not said it throughout the whole thing now they have give guidance uh, you know back in September of 20, what year are we now? 2020, 2020, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Where they said that in 2020, there's going to be 15 contracts that are CUI, um, CMMC compliant. I believe they only got five of them. Right. This year, there was meant to be 75. I don't think there's going to be that many. The year after, there was going to be 100 and something, and then it was going to be 256, and then there's going to be all the controls. I think the ease of what they've done is they've identified that this is still a great place to be, but it's not something that can happen as quickly as they've progressionally hoped it would. Um, the irony behind it is we're focusing on the small shops here who were struggling. The big boys are struggling just as much. Right. So, you know, they've got more to do. It's going to be more expensive. Yes, they've got more money available to them, but they are just struggling just as much. So I think it was kind of a bit of a culture shot across the board into the DOD that, you know, they were saying we need everybody underneath us to meet these huge controls, but we're not able to make it ourselves. So this at least enables us to have a little bit more progression, which has always been our emphasis with maturity. It's not grown overnight. That's right. um, and thankfully, you know, we can get a lot of these practices and technology in place, but having the culture change of the organization, having the documentation is something that we need to work on. And it, it takes a long time. It does take a long time. And it's, it's great that you point out the maturity, you know, quoting the air maturity aspect of the maturity model. Um, you know, 1.3, there really wasn't a maturity factor. It was just levels of, of compliance where 2.0, 
between levels one, two, and three, there is an increase in maturity on mm-hmm. how you approach security. So it really does, uh, you know, resemble the name in its actual implementation. So that's really good. Um, so we we know that the timing is still up in the air. Are you advising your your DoD contractor clients that go ahead and start working towards you know level one? Let's check the box there, and then working towards level two. I mean, what is what is the advice that you're giving to your clients as far as as meeting CMMC requirements? Yeah. So subliminally from the advice I've been given for last year, I've always been talking about NIST 800-171. So we're in a good place from that. Uh, For those in the audience, just to kind of give you an example, 3.1.1 was renamed to AC.1.001, which is obviously new naming conventions. The verbiage may slightly have been changed, but there was a lot more documentation around CMMC in terms of what an auditor was going to do. NIST 800-171 has gone through the game of telephone for many years and CMMC was going to bring this, you know, what is the actual statement asking for? Let's keep consistency versus, well, my interpretation of this, and this is now where we're kind of running into uh, one of the other emphasis that we didn't make or one of the changes is level one are going to be self-audited. We're not quite sure on level two yet, but level three clients who need to be CMMC level three will still be audited through C3PAOs. Right. So what this means now is if we are functionally focusing on this 800-171, you know, uh, Matt, you've been doing it a lot longer than I have for the, you know, the compliance advisory services on that. And, you know, you and I can both go to town on each of the controls in our interpretation of best learning over the sure. last 10 years is this. But we don't know what the audit is going to come to the table with because the training for the CMMC is, you know, the requirements are going to be very black and white this is what we're looking for don't go off on an interpretation based on the fact that you know the best practice would be x we're after what the minimum requirements are and so the good thing is because we have been doing that we have been still meeting it my worry is if somebody comes in and audited hopefully the audits are still going to come through the c3paos who are still being trained in the same manner but are they going to take into account the last 10, 15 years that they've been doing this 800-171 for and use their um, interpretation of where it should be versus what it's actually asking for, which can impede organizations because when you start talking about encryption, there's a couple of mesh, uh, references to our very high standard identified as FIPS, but there's only two controls that actually ask for FIPS. The rest of them, when they mention encryption, are not necessarily dictating that right. it needs to be to that same high level. Right. And this right. is where, you know, NIST 800 you can require, oh, well, FIPS is mentioned, so let's use that. But that can impact operational capabilities and performance. So we're still progressionally going forward in the same way. I feel in the future, uh, 2.5 version 3 will have five levels to it. And maybe the four and the five has the additional controls, maybe level three then promotes itself back to the original level three. Because again, the controls that have been dropped out with email security are foundational controls that every organization should have, vulnerability scan management, stuff like that, are very essential to a good framework. So the hard part for me is all my documentation is now written to this new form. So (laughs) I've got to go back and rewrite that to go back to 3.1.1 and make sure the verbiage is correct to make sure that I've got that progression in preparation that eventually it probably will get changed back. Um, And then when we're going through the advisory piece of just understanding what is actually going to be expected, because CMMC was very 
to the point. We're going to centrally train everybody in the same way, so everybody's singing all the speaking same the language. Yeah, yeah, we're all speaking the same language, right? There's no, there's nothing left to interpretation. Yeah, which yeah. can organizations and you know, um, you know, the standardization of many, you know, in one way can either decompass because the interpretation was incorrect, or can fail them because their interpretation was incorrect. <laughs> you know, right, so exactly. Um, we progressionally keep going. Uh, thankfully, um, you know, we a lot of the organizations that I am working with already had some NIST 800-171 framework. Uh, thanks to the uh, the DFAS clause that came out last September, uh, where it asked that everybody puts a scoring system in. So again, we're just jumping back onto that, and you know, we're just putting a lot more project management focus on. You know, I can comply and tell you what you need to be doing, but many organizations need to meet the controls and actually have to get them in place to which I'm not necessarily the IT guy. I can tell them that need to fix their active directory or something like that. But um, for the most part, it's progressing in the same way. We just got to, you know, slightly change the wording back again, which is kind of annoying right. from my side, but the foundations <laughs> are there. Right, right. Exactly. Excuse me. Um, well, that's great. That's great. That's a great summary on, on the changes of CMMC. So uh, what do you see? What, what do you just, if you could give, two bits of advice for organizations. Let's just, let's just assume for a second that maybe they did, you know, uh, meet the DFARS clause for uh, submitting an 800-171 score. I assume that they have, let's assume they've done that, but what, what is the, what are the next steps as, as part of preparation uh, for CMMC? Well, it's been a year likely since you were forced to do the DFARS score, right? right. Do it again. Right. Um, what we're seeing from not necessarily the DOD, but from the primes, they are very heavily asking for a progressional continuation of updating. Um, so even if you're not compliant to the 110 controls, you are at least showing progression that you have that. Um, there's likely been a lot of progression made in the last year. There's also a lot of education where people are now, you know, fully up to date. I just recently completed a CCP course with Edwards and, um, you know, although that was for 1.3, <laughs> it reopened my eyes to some of the interpretations of what was needed. So going back to September of last year, a lot of the uh, NIST 800-171 was self-audited and self-scored. Let's go back and actually now see, okay, do I have MFA in play? Because I had it for my outlook, but did I have it for all the areas that it was needed for? Right, right. Update that score, go back to the POAM, and just keep that functional flow going. Um, things aren't going to get turned around overnight um, in terms of some of the requirements and controls, but then you can reprioritize some of the easier tasks just to get them done. Um, the other piece is like really drilling in the understanding of the organization. Now you've been sitting on this for a year, you know, you've got this emphasis of the HQ, the organization, this is the core of everything, but really what is the host aspect of that organization that is hosting the CUI? If you can start to understand what that is now, because a lot of organizations originally went, everyone's going to be CMMC and the cost associated was very heavy. Now that you've had a good grasp understanding and been sitting on this for about a year, really, is it going to be the whole organization that are going to be exposed to CUI? Right. And does that then mean you can focus your SSP for CUI a little bit more specifically and then complement the rest of the organization with a more, you know, you know, still to the NIST 800-171, but it doesn't have to be as critically specific as what CMMC are doing. Um, and then the other piece is, you know, documentation. <laughs> you know, it's the I've longest, it hardest times. part. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's uh, it's the one thing that uh, has really resonated with me as I, you know, 
become aware of CMMC is how much work the documentation takes. I mean, we, we see that as we're, you know, helping clients work through SOC 2 type 2, whatever it might be, HIPAA, whatever it might be. Um, but CMMC seems to be that and then some. So yes, um, documentation and documented processes and, uh, you know, John just referenced the SSP, making sure that is accurately reflecting your organization, et cetera. So uh, that's great stuff. That's great stuff. So I believe you guys are doing a webinar. You guys being Corvid are doing a webinar. Did you mention that to me? Yeah, it, it's in the works. It's much like this podcast, it's uh, something that I kind of want to talk through, um, you know, the progressional history of where everything is at so people can see and, you know, have access to which one of the takeaways will be a list of, you know, all the FARs, the DFARs, the NIST 800, just so they've got the functional history of it and then kind of give everybody a little bit more specifics. Um, you know, you and I have just had a couple of questions where it's like, we don't know. Right. I'm hoping that comes out very shortly because, you know, you and I are both registered practitioners. I've done an additional course that not many people have done. Right. And yet I find myself, I went away for a week and came back and found all the efforts I've been doing over the last year <laughs> kind of up in the air because now there's a new change that isn't impeding or anything like that. But I want to make sure when I do the webinar, which will be in the next couple of weeks, and I'll make sure I can share it out with you guys. Um, it will give a bit more of a visual representation of some of the expectations. Um, and then the takeaways will be the core aspects of it where, you know, here's the actual links to the official documentation from the DOD, from right. the undersecretary of the defense, uh, you know, so it's not hearsay, it's here's the sources. So when they do change, these would be the primary links. And then you've at least got the core aspects of what it is. So, you know, when you do go through or get to your audit and people reference, you know, what is CUI, you can pull out of it and be like, okay, well, based on DFAS 252.04-7012 or something like that, <laughs> this is what it tells you. And you've got at least the core, you know, reference to it. And that's really what I want to kind of do is just put that foundation of this is everything that's come from it. And this is what's expected. And the big one to actually read from the website now for level two, um, third party assessments for critical national security information, annual self-assessments, right. but for practice that align with the prioritization of the identified need to be achieved. I really want to leave with that of like, these are the high priority ones um, because we just don't know at this moment. So, That's you know, right. our interpretation, I would like to think MFA would be a big one, but it might not be. So <laughs> it might not be, uh, but you know what, what that should said, be. it should be, um, oh boy, should it ever, um, what I think, what we hear from our clients is tell me when, tell me what, and tell me how much that's, that's mm -hmm. basically what a business owner, if you're that ball bearing company that you just mentioned, um, as an example, um, you want to know, you know, when do I have to do it? What do I have to do? And how much is it going to cost? Yep. And now, and currently it's very, very nebulous, all three yes. of those. Um, mm -hmm. so hopefully over and your, 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 your webinar would provide, hopefully maybe some of that information if it's available, but if nothing else, the, the, the places to go look to find when, when that information is made public. Exactly. Yeah. Great. Well, so as we always do, and I'm, I'm really putting you on the spot here, we, we ask, uh, all our guests to give us a good Harbor and a uh, place to have a drink. You've told us something in the past. Do you I have, have well, no, I want to make a comment on that uh, on okay. that pass because last time I said Seabrook Island, uh, which is right. south of Charleston, right. and then probably like a week later I went to Seabrook, 
And out of nowhere, I bumped into so many people I know. So I don't know how many people listen to this webinar, but I, I bumped into <laughs> like five clients. I had people from my work there. Um, you know, there was a massive golf tournament. It's obviously just <laughs> south of um, oh, the PGA there. I forgot what the island is. But yeah, I, I said it on here. And then I went there a week later and I bumped yeah. into people all the time, which, oh, you know, as IT professionals, when you want to disconnect, you don't want to be bumping into people. And, you know, <laughs> several beers in, I'm meeting one of my larger clients. I'm like, oh, hello. <laughs> right, right. Well, so, I, you know, I would love to say that all those people listen to this podcast, but I'm I'm, I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure that it was. It was definitely this one. <laughs> That's yeah. right. So give us a place that we shouldn't go. Seabrook Island. I'll tell you one of my other second. So that's my East Coast. My West Coast uh, right. is Laguna Beach in California. Uh, right that's on. where I got married. Oh, great. Um, so that's that's one of my favorite coasts. But also like just keeping on the Pacific Coast Highway, there's tons of little nooks that you can find. So uh, I, I guess if I was to give you a West Coast, it would be uh, Laguna Perfect. Beach. Um, there's tons of little bars there that make it fun and enjoyable. That's great. Perfect. Thanks, John. Um, well, thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it and your insights. Um, you and I will talk again soon. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Absolutely. Thank you for having me again. Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. We would also like to thank Tom Marshall for the original music. Yes, that Tom Marshall from Fish fame. Harbor's portfolio of services is designed to meet the cybersecurity needs of small and medium enterprises. We offer a range of services from cyber risk advisory to VCSO consulting to meet specific security requirements without putting a strain on your technology budget. If you like what you heard here, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues. We release new podcasts every other week and are available on Spotify and Apple. You can reach us through our website if you have additional questions or suggest a great harbor we should mention on our next show. 